He's handsome and smart. A true blue Jets and Knights fan. A part of Australia's Hollywood royalty. From General Hospital to Occupation Rainfall, NCIS LA to All Saints. Newcastle Live Radio's very own Nova Castrian in Hollywood. It's time to cross to LA to catch up with Zach Garrod. It is time to cross to LA where he's playing tour guide today. Good morning, Zach Garrett. How are you? Uh, good afternoon, Tracy. I'm well, thanks. And yeah, yeah, I, it's fun to do. It's really fun to do when we have people come to visit in town. Alison's mother is visiting from, from Decatur, Alabama. So um, we're, we're going to take her out and, and show her a few things. So we're going to duck up to Malibu this evening. Oh, you name dropper, you. Yeah, it's the Malibu is still kind of like when I first moved here, I was very intimidated by the whole place because it just seems so far away. <laughs> it's not that far. It's like maybe it's maybe thirty to forty minutes. It's like like from Newcastle to to like Gosford, Terrigal kind of area. Yeah. It's not that far, but it, it's it just sort of always it always just intimidated me a little bit to go up there. And every time I go there, I have the best time. It's absolutely wonderful. It really is a beautiful part of uh, of the US, isn't it, Malibu? And, uh, you know, some of the houses up there, some of the restaurants, it's just spectacular. It, it's pretty much what people would expect it to be, yeah. It's very lush and very opulent in some ways. It, it shows a very different kind of beach culture that I'm not really familiar with. Like, it, it's, it's a very affluent kind of beach culture. Like, mm. you can own the strip of sand that your house is on in Malibu and that for me that for me as an Australian is very foreign and I know mm. like the idea of people owning the beach that their house is on in Australia probably would not go down too mm. well because uh, it's, yeah, it's the ocean it's for everybody of course but yeah up there it is like that Dr. Dre has an incredible house yeah, uh, up there on Malibu Beach um, but yeah it's, it's a lovely little place and so there's a cute little restaurant up there we're going to go to this evening and, and watch the sunset over the ocean oh how nice what's your favourite yeah, uh, nice. what's your favourite LA restaurant there's a couple of really good ones here. There's one we go to called Lentica de Michelle, which is just down in Hollywood. It's run by a bloke from um, from uh, uh, from Italy, uh, from Santorini, and he, he you know the movie Eat, Pray, Love. His yeah. restaurant featured in that movie with oh, the pizza. Okay. Yeah. So so he, he yeah so he owns that he owns that restaurant. He opened one in LA and he's opening one in New York. So that's really good. We really like that place. Um, that's pretty special. The the new one we're going to Grandmasters down in Hollywood is really nice as well. The old recording studio. That's a really good little place to go to and just just try something. And there's a Mexican restaurant we go to called Mercado, which is just really simple, basic, like really nice little tacos and tapas and dips and great margaritas. So. Yeah, we're we're pretty spoiled for choice with mm. with how with where you want to go, and every every week there's something new to try. There's always some somewhere to go or some place to go and experience. So it's um it's always a bit of fun, especially uh, seeing as how you're so close to Studio City. You know all of those uh, all of those incredible restaurants up at Universal. It's uh it really is. I mean, even though that's a touristy strip, it still has some great restaurants, doesn't it? Doesn't matter, yeah. Universal Studios is really fun. It's always really, really fun. I mean, Bubba Gump's up there. Bubba Gump is a bit of a people. <laughs> you can't, you know? You've got to go to Bubba Gump's. You've got to go to Bubba Gump's. But what's weird, and I don't know if you ever come back here, you might see this, but the, the Hard Rock Cafe, which was at Universal, was a staple, was a staple there for ages, is actually gone now. No. So they're, they're putting... The, no, it's gone here from Universal City. So they're putting in this huge new chocolate emporium thing up there. And so um, they got the Voodoo Donuts, but they lost the uh, they lost the Hard, the hard Rock Cafe. No. <laughs> it really has died off, hasn't it, the Hard Rock Cafes? 
Yeah, I think it's just sort of changed because mm. chain restaurants, uh, I guess, no longer in vogue as much as they used to be because I think people seek the uh, – unfamiliar is the wrong term – that they seek something unique. And it's so easy nowadays to see things. Like when mates of mine come over to LA, they're like, oh, I saw this place on Instagram or I saw this place on the documentary. So I'm like, can we go there and try it out? And, yeah, of course, absolutely. Like we might take people down to – to uh, to um, the chicken and waffles place down in, in Hollywood, which is a really quite a, an interesting experience. Chicken a place waffles, called the yeah, chicken and waffles. Yeah, there's a place, Roscoe's yeah. House of Chicken and Waffles is the really famous place. Or people will go to In and Out Burger, just simply go to In and Out because in, in Australia, when when they open up a pop up restaurant, the lines for like three hours <laughs> just to go and try it an In and Out hamburger. But yeah, I think people are more interested in doing that nowadays because they can see it and they they can see it from the other side of the world. Yeah. Whereas once upon a time, of course, you know, you had to go, you had to read books, and you had to go somewhere and speak to people. And places like a Hard Rock Cafe and that brought a familiarity with it. Um, so, yeah, but I think it's also as music's evolved too. That connection, I mean, maybe has just um, has just disconnected a little bit. Yeah, I, I think you're right. I absolutely agree with that. Now, um, of course, the news over the past uh, few days has been <laughs> he who uh, who will never go away. Mr. Trump is in trouble again, but instead of people getting upset and horrified by the documents that he's taken out of the White House, it has galvanised the Republicans. WTH. It's weird again, mate. I, I mean, what you have to do, I have no idea. I mean, this is supposedly the, the, the party of national security and law and order and, you know, maintaining the status quo and statutes and respecting the institutions. And now you've got people like Marjorie Taylor Greene who, 12 months ago after the Jan 6th uh, uprising, were saying, you know, we need more police funding, we need this, and, and decried and, and derided uh, governments like West Hollywood, which took money out of the sheriff's department to put into mental health assistance in the community. She's now calling for the FBI to be defunded. <laughs> so you've got people out there who 12 months ago were back the blue, back the blue, back the blue, you know, all the cliché mm. rhetoric that they go on with. And now it's, no, 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 we've got to defund the FBI. So you couldn't possibly get a bigger group of hypocrites right now than people like Louis Gomort and Lauren Bovert and Marjorie Taylor Greene and all the usual suspects who, you know, unsurprisingly uh, couldn't lay straight in bed when it comes to these kinds of things. Now, it obviously started on Monday when the FBI, and we should specify too here that this has been a long time coming. Trump was issued a subpoena in June for documents that were not returned to the National Archives. The National Archives actually has its own investigative force, so it can investigate people for criminal misconduct when it comes to archival material. People have been charged in the past for taking documents from administrations, not presidents, mind you, but staff who have been, they've, they've taken things home and, and they've either tried to leverage it for money or leverage it for information or just keep it as an antiquity. But regardless, you're stealing property, which is class, usually classified. Now, he had three kinds of documents. He had classified, secret, and top secret. Now, the, now top secret is obviously the most compelling issue here because that can contain some extremely sensitive material. Um, in some cases, it actually had the names of some CIA operatives and their pay no. and their payments, yeah, their, their payments on um, so their wages basically. So that's extremely sensitive information. And of course, there's been accusations that he has material that he had material at his private property in Mar-a-Lago that had had information about America's nuclear technology and nuclear capabilities on it. Now. When the FBI went to Mar-a-Lago on Monday, they went in on the quiet. They didn't have any sirens blazing. They were in plain clothes. They did everything quietly. People only knew about it when Trump issued a statement saying how this violation of his rights 
has shown just how far America has fallen and we're falling into a dictatorship and everything was everything is is corrupted and political and blah blah. <laughs> two days later, he issued another statement saying the FBI had planted material. Oh. Then the accusations of, of the nuclear yes. Then the accusations of the nuclear documents came out. Then he came out and said, "What about Barack Obama taking 33 million documents to Chicago?" Barack Obama didn't do that. <laughs> the National Archives declassified, which is the process, a series of documents, 33 million of them, to be housed in the Obama Library in Illinois, in Chicago. Really common when presidents uh, finish their term. So the Reagan Library is out here in Los Angeles. It has documents that have been deemed no longer sensitive to house there from the Reagan administration. Very, very common process. Then Trump said, those documents had nuclear material, material on them. And as we know, usually when Trump accuses somebody of something, <laughs> he's generally doing it himself. Mm. So this has gone from, I did nothing wrong, this is just a political hit job, to FBI planting material, to, well, Obama did it, to, well, too bad, what more can we do about it? Oh, no, 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 sorry, his last one was, I declassified these things myself. I declassified them. <laughs> yeah, which is not how this works. Okay. So it, it is causing a very interesting situation because you have, some kind of traditionalist Republicans who, of course, usually sit on the side of law and order, trying to trying to rein this in a little bit and trying to get some common sense back in the, back in the discussion. But the issue is, we've got so many people now who are just so far ingrained with Trump with primaries happening and people winning Republican primaries who are, of course, election deniers as well, um, needing his support to get through. Now, a very scary thing is occurring, unfortunately, I don't know if people heard about this in Australia, but in the Cincinnati uh, FBI field office, um, a man pulled up there this week and fired a nail gun at the at the door of the Cincinnati field office um, in Ohio. And then the, when the police chased him, he had an AR-15 in his car. Oh, good he ended God. up in the standoff with the police yeah, and mm -hmm. took his own life. Now, today, the Capitol building had another man ran his car into the barricades. The car exploded, got out of the car, fired a series of shots in the air, and then killed himself. There was also uh, there's also been death threats against a federal judge who passed who, who did nothing more than issue the warrant. Uh, judge Bruce Reinhardt, um, he's been the, the the victim of death threats. The FBI agents whose names were on the warrant themselves, because um, it's publicly when, when the warrant was unsealed, like the Republicans wanted and like Trump wanted, and then we realised that the severity of the issues that we were facing here, those FBI agents' names were made public. They're facing death threats now as well. So this is getting quite serious. And then I think the, the most disgraceful thing we've seen this week has been Judge Bruce Reinhardt's face superimposed on Jeffrey Epstein's body. I saw on that. When Brian, mm. Yeah, so Brian Kilmeade is a Fox News host who was filling in for Tucker Carlson um, this week. And he shared a photoshopped image of, um, of the justice's face basically, the justice's face on Jeffrey Epstein's body while he was receiving a foot massage from Ghislaine Maxwell. So it looked like Bruce Reinhardt was receiving a foot massage from Ghislaine Maxwell, and they tried to laugh it off as being satirical or something like that, but they did not do that till the following day. When it was presented on air that night, it was presented in the context of, here's Judge Reinhardt, this is what he looks like. Now, th this is really, really dangerous territory. Um, now, you've got Republican, you know, Republican moderates saying, I do not quite take classified material home, and nor can they, and that's one issue to deal with. The other issue here is, of course, the incendiary nature of this. We've already seen what happened with January 6th. There are still people getting charged with that, and now we kind of have a bit of a dog whistle. This is just unbelievable. Where is it all going to end, Zach? I mean, 
you know, people are talking civil war in the US. We've got the primaries yeah. happening now. Where's it all going to end? Well, civil war is a long way away. I, I mean, that would require two binarily opposing parties mm. who, are, who, are, who are divided along some pretty significant lines. It would require two very powerful figures not agreeing on something significant and cause, to cause a schism in the country. The concern broadly is the Timothy McVeigh type of response. Mm. The concern about people who may be insurgents, like we saw today kind of at the Capitol building, um, like that bloke who shot up the Cincinnati field office with the nail gun um, for the FBI, the threats against judges and uh, magistrates and uh, law enforcement officials. Again, from a side of politics that during the Black Lives Matter movement was emphatically sided with the Blue Lives Matter movement. And I, I should say, I specify here, people like Marjorie Taylor Greene and Lauren Boebert. So this is the dangerous territory that we're in. They're more concerned about reprisals along those grounds. What is going to be interesting is this will, this will be a federal case, and Trump is facing upwards of 10 years in prison just for mishandling top-secret material. Now... If he appeals this up to the Supreme Court, we've already seen what Alito, Thomas, um, Kavanaugh, and Amy Coney Barrett are like when it comes to things like Roe versus Wade. There is a genuine concern that if this progresses through the courts up to the Supreme Court, which is probably what he'll do because he's a litigious person, what that may bring. Now, if he is found guilty on all levels of the court, but it gets to the Supreme Court and he's found not guilty for, for stealing <laughs> and, and uh, harboring some of America's most sensitive information, then that will cause, a, I mean, that will cause a huge rupture in the trust of American democracy. Absolutely. You're with Tracy Mack on Newcastle Live. We're talking with Zach Garrett live from L.A., now, of course, we had the very sad news uh, last week that we'd lost our very own Livy. What was the reaction over there? Yeah. It was really sombre. It was really sombre. I know I was quite shocked. It was yeah. middle of the afternoon when the news came through. Um, and Freeform, the, uh, the, the Disney channel over here, which used to be ABC Family, has been playing Grease all weekend. Oh. And each ad break they put up, it's really quite lovely, actually. Yeah. Each ad break they put up a picture of her and a little memorial saying, you know, yeah. Olivia Newton-John, um, uh, hopelessly devoted to you. And it's, it's really quite lovely. So there's been a nice, there's been a, a really quite somber and joyful, I think, reflection of her contribution to life. And her star on the Hollywood Walk of Fame, which is just down Hollywood Boulevard, of course, yeah. was, was surrounded by flowers and, and well wishes. Now, what we've got to remember, too, is she was the first, unless I'm mistaken, she was the first instance of an Australian accent in a major American feature film like this. I mean, there have been Australian actors before, like Peter Finch mm. um, and, and Annette Kellerman, uh, sorry, not, um, Annette Kellerman, yeah, and others. But it was the first time that an Australian character had really appeared in a major feature film like this. You know, for her to go up there and say, oh, Sandy, oh, sorry, oh, Danny, mm. I've, got to, I've got to go back to Australia. And then, you know, oh, Sandy, I thought you went back to Australia. Like, just that in, in the 1970s really is quite extraordinary. And we were, like, we were still 10 years before Crocodile Dundee, but there she was in her, mm. in her natural accent, um, in her native accent, you know, charming American audiences. So it's been quite a sad reflection. And even just myself as an expat and a lot of us here in the expat community, um, we were quite shocked because she did pave a big, the Gumnut Mafia, of course, paved a very mm. uh, wide road for us to come through and, and allow people like Tony Collette and Rose Byrne mm. and, you know, goodness gracious, the Hemsworths. Well, and the modern Jackson days, and yeah. Uglier. Yeah, all, all the contemporaries who are all over here, of course, 
in everything and an Australian accent now is it's not uncommon to to go for auditions and have them say okay do your American and then do your natural accent it's not uncommon at all so yeah it, it's a lot of that goes back to her a lot of that goes back to her embracing who she is and of course the Americans giving her that opportunity to show her to show everyone just how extraordinarily talented she was but just what a lovely beautiful person she was too I can remember I I mentioned this um, last week I can remember going to Koala Blue and uh, you know that was the oh most, my goodness. that was the most exciting to a to a, a 15, 16 year old Tracy. That was the most exciting yeah. thing, you know. When you think back to the art that came out of Koala Blue, and you know, and all of the Jenny Key style yeah. stuff, you know, it really was ahead of its time. Koala Blue. Yeah, it really was. It really, really was. And and that was sort of breaking on the wave of that populism from the 80s and things like that. The Simpsons took the mickey out of in their, their, their episode, Bart versus Australia, you know, Yahoo series and all those kinds of things, you know, great Novocastrian filmmaker. So so those things, uh, of course, a lot of it started with, uh, with, um, with Olivia Newton-John. There was a guy in the 1920s called Snowy Baker who came over and had a crack as well. But um, Olivia Newton-John really was the populist image of an Australian performer in the, in, of an internationally renowned Australian performer in the 70s. And just to hear that Australian accent then, it would be bewildering. I, mean, I remember seeing Bruce Spence doing his natural accent in Ace Ventura 2 when I was like 10 years old. I remember thinking, what's that? Oh, that's an Australian accent. Oh, my goodness. <laughs> yeah, um, there's a difference between the Australian accent and the accent that Americans think Australians have. Yeah, exactly a- AKA right, Crocodile yeah. Dundee. Yeah, exactly right. Yeah, not everybody's from Walkabout Creek, of no, course not. No, so exactly. it's, um, it, it, it's, it's wonderful to see just the impact that Olivia has had um, on the community here, but also on um, on America uh, as a culture as well, because Greece is just... It, it was only shot here. We were watching the movie over the weekend, and you can see, like, where they shot it around Echo Park. You can see Griffiths Observatory in the background and things like that. So It's so cool, yeah. isn't it? All these... You know, you think about... You know, back uh, back when she first went over there, and you would never yeah. have have dreamt that uh, you know that the Aussies would would become you know what they became. And uh, of course, she was very close friends with Helen Reddy, um, which yeah. is you know a, a part yeah. of how she got into that that whole uh, that whole area. Zach, yeah. uh, obviously, um, you know, have you been down the the Walk of Fame? Have you seen what it looks like down there? Is there still the floral tributes to her? Yeah, that that'll be there for a week or so. Mm-hmm. I haven't actually seen it myself personally because um, we've we've been busy this week. But yeah, what's it, wrong it with is, you? Uh, it, it will be there. <laughs> no, right. Okay, get down there. I want you to put a flower down there for Trace. Okay, <laughs> get down there and put a flower oh. down there for Trace. I wish I had a I wish I had a little uh, little sprig of wattle. That's for sure. <laughs> Absolutely, I bet. Look, thank you so much for your time, my friend. I uh, I really appreciate yeah. it. Now, the other thing I want you to quickly tell us about uh, you've got the latest of your crazy videos uh, up on uh, up on stream again now, <laughs> haven't you? Yeah, yeah. Our work with Fail Army. We shot those in May, um, and they've they've been trickling out every Tuesday online. Yep. You're crazy. You're just nuts. Seriously. Yeah, it's fine. It's my, it's myself and my mate Stagsy, uh, just just basically just commenting on people stuffing things up. It's mm-hmm. a lot of fun. It's on Fail Army. Um, the guy we work with, Joven, is a wonderful producer. It's just us improving and riffing and just coming up with stupid jokes. But it was really good Aussie comedians. There's some wonderful Australian comedians we got to work with on it. And Joven basically just gave us carte blanche to get out there and just be as Australian and be as silly as I can. So I'm always in a Newcastle Jets shirt or a Newcastle Nights shirt. That yeah. was one thing that they really wanted. So. Well, absolutely. <laughs> Absolutely. Yeah, that's your uniform anyway. So what are you talking about? Exactly. exactly it is right. uh, the view from
from yeah. Down Under. So if you uh, if you head to Zach, see the Facebook page, or if you look at uh, look for View from Down Under with Fail Army, it is uh, it is up there. And as Zach said, it goes up every uh, every Tuesday. Mate, thanks so much for your time. It's uh, it's lovely to uh, to speak to you. Enjoy being uh, being the tourist guide today. And uh, I want a photograph of the sun setting down at Malibu. Okay. I'm sure I'll have plenty of those. I'll be sure to send it through, Tracy. Please do. Thanks, mate. You stay safe. Thanks, mate. Check you later. Bye. That is Zach Gara joining us live from LA as he does each and every Monday right here on Newcastle Live. With decades of media experience, Tracy Mack brings you a smart, fast-paced morning of news and entertainment with special guests and major newsmakers for your morning fix. Join Tracy Mack for Newcastle in the Morning, weekdays from 9, only on Newcastle Live.